The Mac Observer is Mac Geek Cab, number 165 for Thursday, August 21st, 2008. Hey guys, just uh, wanted to say... I must love your show because uh, your the mic situation was a little frustrating. Thanks for trying to make it as good as possible, Dave. Um, but I'm sitting here listening to the whole thing, even though it's driving me crazy listening to it in the car where the uh, sound quality is not the greatest anyway. Uh, anyway, continue to enjoy your show. Thanks for the uh, smile on my Mac uh, uh, license for my, my haikus and... Uh, Anyway, you guys are great. Having a blast listening to you guys. Hope you had a great trip. And uh, look forward to listening to you next week. Thanks. Bye. And thank you and greetings, everybody. This is uh, the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, number 165. And the good news about it being number 165, John, is that it's not number 164. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I'm, I'm just... You you would lay down the law saying, you know, John, you must listen to the episodes just so for my own education oh, yeah. for doing show notes. And I got to say, I, uh, I apologize. We apologize. That was painful even for me. And, uh, you know, in addition to hearing my voice, which is always kind of weird. Um, yeah, that that just uh, so if you listen, to, I mean, you get a we got to have like a little award or something or the a little, Mac, you the know, Mac badge of honor. Hard. That's right. Badge of honor. <laughs> so let's talk about this, though, because it. It, it's actually an interesting little thing that that uh, we can use to talk about audio recording on the Mac, which I know is of interest to at least a uh, sizable segment of, of you folks, our listeners. And thank you. Yes. As John said, thank, <laughs> for all of you that listen to 164. Thank you. So when I'm here in the studio, I'm not I'm not going to rehash this. Uh, I think number 147 and number 32, both of those shows have a, a rehash of how we're set up here in the studio. But when we're here in the studio, as it is right now, I in my earphones hear exactly what's already been recorded. In fact, it's on a slight delay and it's a little weird to get used to, but you get used to it. It's uh, it's not so bad. So. When we're here, there's no chance of that problem ever happening. You know, our goal, of course, is to record the show with no post-production necessary because scheduling just doesn't allow me to have hours and hours to post-produce a show. I, I respect all the folks that do that. I just don't have the time for it. So we are post-producing in the moment. When I travel, I do the same thing, except I don't have any outboard gear other than the microphone. So it all happens inside the Mac. And the delay, because the effects and, and the noise gates and all that stuff are not outboard, they're inboard, there's actually a slightly longer delay. And as I was setting it up the night before, I was exhausted, right? We recorded that Friday morning. I was exhausted Thursday night. So I set it up real quick and I decided, you know, we don't need to hear. I, I don't want to have to put John through hearing himself on delay because you're not used to it and it would totally screw you up. It, it, it was bizarre yeah. for me for a little while. So and I thought also what I heard, which was, I guess, the monitor from the mic. Correct. Sounded wonderful. So I thought nothing of it. Exactly. And of course, I didn't either because I was just in the moment. And what I hear is usually what goes to tape. I'd forgotten that. OK, I turned this off for your benefit. Right. I didn't forget it, but I just didn't think about it. The implications of that. So like John said, we heard everything great. But with Audio Hijack, 
all the effects that happen in Audio Hijack, including the, the dreaded noise gate that I had set up, happen in real time and happen destructively to the audio signal. Okay, so that means whatever the effects do is on the recording and there's no way to undo it. Makes perfect sense. And for the record, like I said, I have the noise gate. Normally, you know, I chew on the mic. So when I'm on the road, the noise gate set for me being right up close to the mic. And then when I back away, it, it shuts down. And that way you don't hear any noise. The problem, of course, was neither John nor I was close to the mic because we kept moving it back and forth to share it or moving ourselves back and forth to share it. So that's why the noise gate kicked in. When we created this setup, Audio Hijack was basically the only thing available. Interestingly, at New Media Expo, the day before we recorded that show, Ambrosia released Wiretap Anywhere, which sort of replaces a, a component of Audio Hijack. And we talked about it in the show. But the idea behind Wiretap Anywhere is you can take a bunch of different audio devices and marry them all together into one device. In fact, you can even take things that aren't audio devices like, say, a program like Yojimbo or even iTunes that doesn't really have a way of rerouting its audio. And you can have it treated like a microphone so that you use Wiretap Anywhere as kind of this intermediary. And then you can blast the stuff anywhere, in, including to Wiretap Studio. And the interesting thing about Wiretap Studio is that it does not destructively apply effects. It actually does. You have one file that's being created as your end result, the way you want it in the format that you want it. But then there's also a secondary recording happening non-destructively of just the raw source. So had we switched our live, our mobile recording setup to wiretap studio, well, none of this would ever have happened. Just like if Woody had gone to the police, it's, it's analogous to that, right? What? If Woody had gone to the police, none of this would ever have happened. So uh, look at that. You know, I tell a Ron Popeil joke on, on Friday morning. I, I think that was really, really funny. And, and nobody gets it. Thank you for, for those of you that, that emailed me uh, about the this is the iPhone alley panel. Uh, sorry, the iProng panel that I was on. It's been rebroadcast as the iPhone alley podcast. So that and then I tell the Woody Woodpecker joke and nobody gets it either. Or at least. You All know. right. So uh, that means that for future mobile recordings where I need to apply effects digitally as opposed to outboard. I'm going to start using wiretap studio for exactly the reason that, uh, that we saw last week. So that's uh that's that. Thank you very much. And, uh, I think it's time to, uh, to move into the show. Is that right? I'm going to mention one thing. Okay. Just, I blame you. I shake my fist. At wow. You. <laughs> like I said, before, now you've got now, cause you got me hooked on Twitter, man. <laughs> Uh, no, I got to say, I, I, I can totally see the, the, the usefulness of the, uh, the platform, especially, I mean, in the context of, of, of the show, even though I don't have the iPhone, I still had the computer when I could get a Wi-Fi connection. Um, but no, I love it. I, I think it's an awesome, awesome tool. Um, you know, the frequency and the combination of blogging and IMing is, is just, uh, and I've been reading articles. Now, I guess the only thing with these guys is how are they going to make money? But at this point, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. It's fun. It's useful. Um, but again, I, I, I just read an article there. How do you monetize this? I guess that's always the question. And that's the big Silicon problem. Valley or well, that's the big problem with social media in general. And I realize that's well outside of the topic scope of this show. But but yeah, all this social media stuff has actually been falling pretty flat with advertising. 
when I'm not doing the the Mac geeky stuff, of course, uh, I'm you know uh, working with us all the team here at Backbeat Media, selling ads on the internet, and the social media thing is a it really nobody's figured it out yet uh, because news websites and and even topical podcasts like this one are fairly easy to sell advertising for. It makes sense. You folks are tuned in for the show and, and you are receptive to the ads, but in the social media space where everybody's just connecting with their friends and colleagues, it doesn't work. So that, that's my, that's my two cents. About now, I've that. seen like the one thing I saw, I'll just mention this one tool, which I think, and I think our pal, yes, our pal Scott is, uh, as you saw, he's, he's, uh, on Twitter. Yes. And, um, monitor, uh, M O, uh, I think, I believe that's the name of it, but it's a, a kind of a, a Twitter aggregator. So it lets you search, and apparently the cool thing about Twitter is that in addition to looking, being able to look at your feeds, uh, other people looking at yours and yours looking at others, there is this ability to look at all feeds everywhere, as far as I know, or a subset of them, right. a, a certain cloud of them. Because basically th- this tool in real time, we'll link to it, of course, lets you monitor for three different keywords. Oh, so it's a real time search engine for Twitter. Yes. So, for okay. example, what I was doing the other day was I was searching for... Um, uh, Mac Geek app. And okay. I would see a couple of Twitter feeds where the person said, oh, gee, I wish. And this, this is one that just made me feel bad. It's like, oh, I missed the Mac Geek app tonight because some people were expecting Monday, though, of course, you know, you and I were traveling and we were just shot. Right. You know, so this is, again, the, the bonus uh, or, or just the, the guilt driven <laughs> version here. But um, it, it was so neat to see that. And so I was able to, you know, reply to them saying, you know, we're but I think we're going to go on on Thursday. Yeah. So I think it's a, there are so many facets to it that I think people are, are just, you know, realizing and, you know, again, how do you make money or, or what are the cool things you could do with it? I'm, you know, I'm seeing people link to pictures and uh, videos and it, it, it's just really a, a cool foundation for all sorts of things. So thank you, Dave. I, sure. Well, I no, I, 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 yeah. So I, as for those of you that suffered through 164 and, but I, when I say suffered, I mean, of course the audio quality, I think the, the content of the show is top, top rate. Uh, we, we finally got John to join Twitter, right? Twitter.com slash John F. Braun. For those of you that, uh, that hadn't been aware of that, that want to follow him. And, uh, and yeah, I, it, it, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that NME happened and you, you saw the, the benefits thereof. And, and then of course, you know, interacting with each other and friends and, and even, uh, interacting with all our listeners that I've found Twitter to be fantastic. So it certainly can be a time sink, obviously, uh, so, you know, you can learn to manage it for whatever works for you. Anyway, that was, that oh, was my rant beforehand was this is the tool of the ADD generation. So Absolutely. you have to learn to, um, control yourself. I mean, it does it to a certain extent because when I first got it, I would do reload, 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 because I wanted to see every, everything was happening. And eventually I brought up an error message saying, what are you doing? Yeah. You're only limited to doing certain types of operations, Twitter, thankfully, uh, just for scalability, although you will see the. Is it the fail whale? Is that what they call it? Dude, uh, (laughs) you you have missed out on most of the uh, Twitter outages so far. It's it's notoriously unstable, although it's certainly gotten better, I would say, in the last three or four weeks than it than it ever was prior. Uh, They've learned to do some. There's something happening on the API level there. And and anyway, but uh, they've 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 made it more friendly when it's overloaded. So. Are we uh, are we ready to move on here? What are we? Oh, we're doing a show. Yeah, let's do a show. Let's go. Okay. Um, um, who? Uh, I got it. Marco? Marco? Yeah. Yeah. Marco. So I mentioned uh, in, in show 164 that I had met a gentleman on the plane that was looking for 
shortcuts. And this generated some interesting discussion. But Marco uh, had a, had another idea. And he says, here's my pick for. So this this falls into the cool stuff found file. And that is he says, I, here's my pick for a shortcut problem. I discovered it some time ago and I find it very nice program called KeyQ from Ergonis.com. Little piece of shareware that gives great help with shortcuts. And it does. What it what it does is it pulls up sort of a uh, an alpha channel window that floats over your other stuff and shows all sorts of shortcuts. So it's perfect for a quick glance at uh, at at shortcuts. Now, there's an interesting uh, thing here. Uh, Airman Rich, uh, who right now I think is en route to Paris, uh, I am me the other day and said, hey, Dave, do you know of a way to get with the keyboard to the search box in Safari, the search engine box. And I said, well, mm-hmm. I don't know of a way to get straight there, but I know if you do a command L uh, and then a tab, it'll, it'll get you there. And that's how I go. And he said, command L. And I said, sure. Uh-huh. Command L in Safari gets you to the location bar. And that's where you can type a URL. And then of course, once you're there, the tab key goes over to the search bar uh, or the search dialogue. And, uh, and he said, oh, I never knew that. And then I talked to him again today and he says, you know, uh, my, I was talking to my buddy who also has been using Macs for quite a while and he didn't know it either. So I figured it was worth mentioning here in the show. Yeah. yeah. As far as I know, Dave, that's pretty much universal among all browsers on mm-hmm. pretty much every platform. Uh, right. Of course, on the, on the Mac, it'd be Command L. On Windows, I assume it would be Control L. Correct. You know, like when I'm using uh, Firefox, I do Control T for a tab. But um. Yeah, I guess that's just one we, we assumed everybody knew, but I guess, uh, well, it's, it's kind of not an open location. It's like, well, location, huh? It's yeah. not open site. So, so the wording is 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 poor, I think. So, uh, but heck, you know, I mean, it's in the menu. So, you know, bring down your file menu and you'll you'll see open location there as well as all the other right. shortcuts for all the other things. So, right. cool. All right. Uh, moving on to Justin, right, John? And, and sure. I have all kinds of problems with my... The my Yojimbo sync isn't working, but it's not Yojimbo's fault. And I can't even blame mobile me sync to a point. It's it's actually because I was in the hotel room, the upstream there, like like I mentioned, the bandwidth was pretty good, but the upstream was riddled with packet loss uh, to the point where I couldn't get a successful sync to happen the entire time I was there. And it totally screwed up my my sync truth database. So I'm, I'm still fighting with that. But anyway, we have Justin's question in front of us while I vamped on that. Uh, he says, hey, Dave and Mike. Mike? I'm not Mike. sure who Mike is. Pete, you know Mike? who Mike is? Never heard of him. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'll, assume... be Ma- I'll be Mike today. Okay, you're Mike. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'll, can I play Dave or should we make that uh, Pete? Uh, you're always Dave. Okay. <laughs> hey, Dave and Mike. Justin from New Jersey here with a quick question. I am a recent switcher to the Mac platform and had always loved the convenience of Microsoft Paint there on the dark side. And I'm now looking for that convenience on the Mac side. Do you guys have any ideas of Mac based Microsoft Paint like applications? John, I think I do. So at number one, you know, that is, uh, I think, a shortcoming, dare I say it, of, of the Mac is that you don't really get a decent built in paint program you get a viewer i mean you get a viewer you can view pdfs and pretty much anything and with quicktime you can pretty much look at anything but to create something yeah i mean sometimes every now and then depending on when you buy your mac there are you know nice little sample applications 
Right. Um, and you know, I do believe one of them is one of the ones I'm going to talk about. So initially, when this question, when I read it, the first thing I was going to say, and, and it's the first thing, my, first thing I'm going to say now, is Graphic Converter. Now, Graphic Converter is not free. And you should pay for it. And I think, Dave, you are a happy customer. I'm a happy customer. Absolutely. Um, they were a sponsor of the show for a uh, period of time. Yes. Yeah. That is in no way influencing my no. statement, which is this is one of the best graphic programs ever for the Mac. I, I, I forget the pricing. I think it's around 50, 40. Uh, maybe you can find a while battling here. Yeah, of course. But anyways, I do um, that anyway. it, 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 it is a, a like kind of a Swiss army knife, if you will, of graphic programs. And one thing it does let you do is very basic drawing. As you and I found, Dave, you, you were actually saying, gee, can it do that? Because it does a whole bunch of other things. As the name implies, the thing that it does really well is convert among all... Uh, I mean, if there's a graphic file, this program out of any of them out there on the Mac will read it and convert it to another format. But it also does a lot of other things. In addition to letting you create drawings from scratch, you know, it, it'll let you apply filters. I mean, just check it out. And then Dave confirmed here, I think the price is forty four ninety five. I think it's well worth it. And I've had it for years. I mean, they've only over the lifetime of the product, you know, asked for, you know, new payments when they when they do seriously major work to, you know, bring it to the next level. But um, so but if, uh, you know, if, if, if you don't have the dough, if you're a student or, uh, or something like that or whatever, if you, if you don't have the money, um, though, again, I think it's worth it. Uh, I found a few others. Now, actually, if you go to uh, Apple site, you know, they've gotten pretty good as of late when I've been doing the Google Foo to look for programs that do interesting things. And Apple has quite a good library of um, links to programs that can help you. And let's see, one of them here, um, amazingly enough, somebody wrote something called Paintbrush 1.1. And it looks to me, um, looking at the display here, and I've used it very briefly, it pretty much matches the ability of, of uh, Microsoft Paint. Now, that's probably not a good thing in that, that you know it's pretty darn limited, but it's free. It's freeware. They link to it. Um, we will link to it. So if you want that, it, it's out there. And then I think another option. Let me see what I found here. Ah, now this one is is pretty famous. It's it's not really native to the Mac, but GIMP, which I believe is is GNU Image Manipulation Program. Yes. So GIMP, they have a version for the Mac as well as for other you know Unix type systems. And I think the the only thing with this is that it's kind of weird because I believe it's still running under the X11 X window interface. It so. is. Yeah. Um, though they may have versions that that eliminate that dependency, I guess somebody may have recompiled it so it is a native Mac app. I'm off the top of my head not aware of something like that, but the the, the normal one I think it, it runs in X window. But this program, you know, like a lot of things in the open source community, this has I I would say it's an equivalent to Photoshop. It it I yeah there are I I know of people that use GIMP instead of Photoshop and are very happy about it. And of course, as you said, it's 100 percent free. So. Very cool. Yeah, it may, it may take a little getting used to, but um, so that is my rundown of, of where you should go for. Uh, do you have anything else, Dave, in the graphics space or? I, I don't know. This paintbrush thing looks pretty cool because like you said, it it it's very simple. And if you just want to use it, you're good to go. It's it's the kind of thing you could throw at a very novice computer user and they'd be able to draw with the mouse, which is really all you could do with Microsoft Paint effectively. So, yeah. I think it's good. All right. Moving on here. Is that right? Yes. We have a Mr. X uh, or Ms. Uh, Mr. here. I think it's a a Mr. I think. I don't know. It might not be. We'll find out in a minute. John and Dave. Love the show. I have a question about I think. 
over the years I've had my computer, I've added a bunch of conduits to iThink. Then I've deleted them. Is there any way that I can remove these conduits from the iThink because they've been not removed by uninstalling the program they're going to? Let me explain that again. Okay. I've deleted the programs that the conduits talk to, but the conduits are still there talking to iThink. Is there any way I can delete the conduits? Thanks for the podcast and all the great work you do. Bye. All right. Thank you. Yeah. So I, I know exactly what you mean. And and for the record, we're not talking about iSync. That's a separate application. We're talking about the .Mac or, or now mobile me sync. And, and I, I have this problem currently uh, when I go into I used to have a trio, a Palm trio, as you all probably know, and now have the, the new iPhone 3G. And with the Palm trio, I used a piece of software called Missing Sync. Well, I don't need to use that anymore. So I pulled it out. As soon as I pulled it out, my list of sync options still has uh, a, a reference. It's sort of a it. When I had Missing Sync installed, it was a very clean reference. When you pull it out, you get a com dot uh, mark space oh, dot whatever. Yeah. And it's listed in your in it's your still there in your sync list. This stuff is impossible to get out. Now, the folks at Transmit, uh, the folks at Panic Software, Transmit's another one that, that will sync via uh, .Mac. And I use that, and I don't want to pull it out. But uh, there was an article on Mac OS X Hints, and there's actually an article at in Panic's, I think, uh, FAQ on their website and their knowledge base that talks about how to pull it out. But only because they added that functionality to the application that manages that. And you, you run a command from the terminal that, that, that triggers this and it pulls it out. Well, bare bones software's Yojimbo syncs that way. And there is no direct way of pulling it out. And the same with this MarkSpace thing. So long story short, I found another article at Mac OS 10 hints that talks about using a piece of software from Apple in, which is part sort of part of the developer tools called SyncRespector. And we'll link to the article and it tells you how to do this. But essentially what you do is you go in and completely blow away the Mac's memory of ever having synced anything with dot Mac slash mobile me. Uh, and you go through this and then and then step back through recreating all these sync things. And when you finish with this process, you are left with a clean uh sync list without any of this other stuff. Wow. In it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of it, harsh. It's really harsh. I, 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 well, I've chosen not in the past, past tense, chosen not to go through it with the problems that I mentioned about, uh, with the hotel room and, and, uh, now the sink isn't working. I may have to go through this anyway. And if I do, well, I'll, I might as well take the extra step and just, you know, clean it all out. So I'm hoping <sighs> I don't have to do it because frankly, it takes a lot of time that I don't have, but, uh, but you know, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. You know, so. that's a problem, and I haven't spent the time, but, I mean, that's a problem I think that gets both your and my geek juices flowing, Dave. It's like, I know there's a solution to that's this. That's right. It's somewhere buried deep within, you know, the innards of uh, the bowels of OS X, and Clearly. there's just that one file or that one file you got to edit to get rid of that. Because I still see that on one of my machines. It will not go away. I, well, I, I'm not. I'm not a Yojimbo fan, but at sure. one point I thought I removed it. Right. But 
it still lives within my list of things to sync with. And it's right. just really annoying. Yeah. It, and I, the thing is, I don't think it's one single file. I think it, yeah, it, it, it is one plist file that lists all this stuff, but uh, it's populated by that whole sync services thing where there's two copies of your data everywhere. There's, there's the one that your applications use. And then there's the, what's called the truth. Right. And and your Mac is constantly managing what the truth is based on what your apps tell it. And the sync database tells it on the on, on the mobile me servers. So it, it's this very convoluted thing. It's it's cool when it works, as we all know. Uh, but but it's uh, yeah, not so much. Yep. So. All right. OK. Moving, uh, you know, I, I want to uh, I want to do something here. Um Last show, I mentioned that we had a new sponsor, Circus Ponies, and we talked about Notebook. I want to do that again, uh, and and they'll be they're they're going to be an ongoing sponsor with us here, but uh, almost as a kind of a makeup for you know doing the sponsors their first sponsorship in show number one sixty four. Uh, I wanted to to throw this in and into into this bonus show that we're doing here. So, uh, Circus Ponies Notebook right now version uh, two is out. And what Notebook does is it's a note-taking or organizing piece of software for the Mac. So uh, let's say you have a project that you're doing. You would go into Notebook and create a notebook for that project. Everything starts in outline view. And you go through and, uh, and enter your notes. But you can also throw in pictures and other collateral you know, pieces of, uh, of audio. Now, here's the thing. Right now, Notebook 2 is out. By the end of the month, Notebook 3 will be out. Notebook 2 sells for $49.95. Notebook 3 will sell for $69.95. The deal is, if you buy Notebook 2, you get Notebook 3 for free when it's released. So, if you're thinking about this, now's the time to buy. They've added a couple of things in there. Uh, They've added diagramming to Notebook 3, which lets you add kind of like your paint thing that you were talking about before, John, you can do that. Uh, sketching, which is uh, just drawing with the mouse. So you can uh, really kind of get in there and do whatever you like. And if you pull in a PDF, you have the option to annotate that PDF. So you can pull a PDF into your notebook project or your notebook notebook, I guess is what you call it. Uh, and, and then you can annotate that right in there. So notebook from circus ponies at circusponies.com And of course there's a link in the show notes as always, but, uh, but if you're thinking about something like this, of course there's a free trial. So go check out version two and then just make sure you make your purchase before, uh, for the end of the month when version three comes out. So moving on Frank. to Frank, 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 Frank says, I do have a question on a problem that is really annoying me. If I am at work and I download a file with my Mac using Firefox and I save the file to a drive on the Windows 2003 server, a hidden file is saved as well. For example, the downloaded file is artwork1.jpg. There are now two files on the server, artwork1.jpg and dot underscore artwork1.jpg. The second file is a hidden file. I know this is something that OS 10.5.4 is doing because it is saving the file to an NTFS device. How do I stop this hidden file from being created? There was a software program that did this, but after the demo period ran out, I didn't buy it because it was 30 bucks for this feature, and it was so long ago, I forgot which program it was. Uh-huh. I downloaded a piece of software called Deeper, and I have disabled 
the .ds store files, but this does not help with this problem. Is there a script, setting, or software program that will take care of this for me? John, I look <laughs> you to know, you. First, first off, this thing really bugs the heck out of me. Why are you scattering about? And, and when Dave says invisible, what Dave means is that in most operating systems, well, at least in OS X, if you begin, and, and Unix specifically, if you begin a file with a dot, typically it will not be listed in a directory unless you get a utility or you do ls space dash a, which lists everything. But why do they do this? I don't know. So first, I'm just questioning why they must. Because I have a flash drive, which is full of garbage dot files because I share it between a Mac and a PC. It's just really annoying. So mini rant and mini rant. What is the, how do you solve this? And um, the knowledge, Apple Knowledge Base has a way to do this. And it's basically through a obscure little terminal command. As far as I can tell, and I'll just read it off really quick. So what you do is you go to the terminal, you type default space, write space, com.apple.desktopservices space DS, don't write network stores space true, which sets some something deep within the innards of OS X to say, hey, by the way, don't create this stupid file. <laughs> when you're connected to a network volume. Now, um, why do they, why do you have to, I mean, now there are also other ways to do it. Now, uh, both you and I uh, found, Dave, um, I guess there's a utility or at least an Apple links to it too. We'll link to it as well, which is called Deeper. That's what he, yeah, that's what he, cool. That's what he used. Yeah. And uh, now I don't know if Deeper is not, uh, if either this key, which to me, it sounds like it's a, you know, P list key buried somewhere. I think that's what it's modifying, right? Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I don't uh, so I don't know why it doesn't it may be because it sounds to me this is kind of an unpublished secret unsupported thing. If you have to go in the terminal or if Apple is suggesting to undo this damage that we do, um which I kind of see <laughs> see it being, you know, to scatter all these files about. Um why is it buried there like as kind of a afterthought? I don't know. Yeah. Well, okay, so so here's the thing. Uh, obviously, you did some searching to find this solution. It sounds like this uh, defaults uh, solution that edits the the p list and the settings is is turning off those DS stores, right? DS don't write network stores. Does that also? Are we sure that also turns off these dot underscore files? Uh, because we know it. We well, we know that deeper. Which which uh, Frank said he used uh, will disable the creation of the .ds store files, but it won't cr- disable the creation of these .dot underscore files. Well, I'm reading from the description of the problem that it says these steps. Um, well, no, it's saying it prevents the creation of .ds store files. I'm going to assume that any dot file is considered a DS store file. No, no, no. That, that was the way I read it. Okay. Okay, yeah. So there there are these files, if you're saving to a server, right, So they're, that they're, and they're called dot DS store, DS underscore store, underscore store. Uh, yes. And, it, and, and that's what this stops. But I don't, see, here's the thing. I don't think this is a Mac OS X thing, although I could be wrong. I'm curious if this same thing would happen with Safari. I think... The dot underscore artwork one dot JPEG file uh, in, in Frank's example is created by Firefox as the temporary location of the file as it's being downloaded. And for some reason, it's not it's not deleting that temp file. You know, when it 
when a browser downloads a file, of course, it gets it slowly or or maybe quickly. But, you know, if the file comes in piecemeal and then when it's finished, boom, it's done. And and I think it saves it to the hidden file first and then mm. turns it around. And for some reason, Firefox isn't doing it. This is all conjecture on my part. But yes, I, I, but I'm I'm pretty sure that. As, as we're talking through this now, it didn't hit me before, but as we're talking through this now, I yeah. think that default setting only disables the creation of the .ds store files and not necessarily these. So you could be right. Anybody, anybody know? Because clearly and John and I we, don't. We, we reach out to you. You know, right. we, we started here, but uh, oh. I'm still wondering. Hey, hang on. Pi- Pilot Pete has yeah. has a theory on this. What did you do this yeah. Uh... No, I, Firefox may not have the authority to uh, to be deleting th- things on the server once they're there. And so I'll, I'll clarify the thought that's swimming in Pete's head. It's possible that server permissions are such that users cannot delete files that begin with a dot. So Firefox creates this hidden file with the dot at the beginning. And again, this is all speculation among three guys that are sitting in, in uh, what effectively is addicts right now uh, or was until we spent lots of money to change them. But uh, so bear that in mind. Uh, but uh, but but it seems reasonable that for server permissions, you as the admin want to say, yeah, you know what? No matter what, don't let anybody delete hidden files because. We might need to put those out there for some reason, and we don't want people mucking with them. So user permissions might actually allow you to create them, but not delete them. So uh, that's my that's my story, and yeah, I'm sticking to it. But I just don't like them. Yeah, I agree. These dot files. What are you doing here? Come on, be cross-platform. Be 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 friendly. Be nice. Yeah, well, it is though. I use dot files on the Mac all the time, and we use them. Can I the rant? Room. Can I do a rant? It or, sounds or like it's going to happen anyway. All right. Um, Twitter, a Twitter rant. Well, just because Lisa sent them. Well, no, you and I were talking about this. So apparently some people like to take a picture. You took a picture, Dave. I took a picture. My holding a object. You you can look at my profile pic. Right. At John F. Braun, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Did we mention? (laughs) So anyways, there's a movement, though. So apparently I noticed a lot of people have cartoons for their icon. What's up with that? And, and Dave, you actually <laughs> told me about a site. Stop your manga? Yeah, manga? so the, all these cartoons that, that popped up last week were created at a site called faceyourmanga.com. And uh, and then there's there's this whole movement to, to stop it at stopyourmanga.com. I support that. All right. Well, I want to be real, man. I'm real. You are real. I'm not a cartoon, man. That's right. Well, I have a cartoon uh, drawing that looks exactly like You do like your me. aim. Your aim, yeah, but it's close enough, so... Oh yeah, no, that was that. That's yeah, that's real close. So yeah, that's and not Michael, a manga. Michael thing. as well. Michael, Michael as well. I think he 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 swung over to the the real picture side. So oh, did he did he finally swing back around? Yeah, that's check good. it out, man. Oh, there he is. Hey, and, look at and that. And he looks marvelous. Now this is, of course, while well, we're talking about this, this is Michael Johnston who creates uh, the AAC version of this podcast. Uh, so he publishes iPhoneAlley.com and the iPhone Alley podcast, and they're looking for new writers. More writers. Ooh. So if you're if you're so inclined, go ahead and visit iPhone Alley and, and uh, contact them and, and let and them know you're interested. Looks like he's done a little uh, manip- manipulation of a, a photo. I could think. be. And and so his Twitter is, uh, you know, I should know this, but I, I'm pretty sure. Pilot Pete. Tw- Michael Johnston is Twitter slash Michael Johnston. So and then and then uh, yeah, Pilot Pete is Twitter dot com slash Pilot Pete. Right. 
It is. It and is? I and I used Comic Life to make to make my photo surreal. Yeah. Uh, oh look, I got I got I got a message saying from Twitter saying something's not working. <laughs> what a surprise. Okay. All right. Sorry. No, these guys are great. Okay. We're not, we're not gonna to be like those other uh Mac group podcasts that just talk about nothing but Twitter though. So I'm gonna I'm gonna No, that that is it. We will never ever talk about it again. That's Done. not true. <laughs> we may okay yeah. but uh kevin Ke- kevin kevin uh, are we going to kevin yeah we're going to talk about kevin this is interesting so kevin says i connect to the internet using a speed touch 585 router supplied by my isp and i use dsl i have switched off the wireless function on the router and connected via ethernet to an apple airport extreme base station which i use to create the wireless network the speed touch router uses continues to act as a DHCP server and the airport is in bridge mode for the two months. I have had this setup. It has worked perfectly for the last week. Despite no changes that I have made, I get thrown off the wireless network in the evening after a period of inactivity. This is not just my Mac. It is all the computers on the network, another Mac and a windows mobile device. The network can be seen in the network utility, but it times out. If I try to connect, I'm using WPA security If I plug in an Ethernet cable to the airport from one of the Macs, then it works immediately, but I cannot get back on wirelessly until I power cycle the airport. Occasionally, I can get back on, but get a self-assigned IP address, which doesn't let me get to the Internet. Recycling the DHCP client does not help. I try to access the airport via airport utility. It doesn't even detect its presence, despite it being only three feet away. I thought it was a faulty airport extreme, and I had it replaced today, and then it happened again this morning. I'm bringing it back home. It connected no problem, and it was up and running. I thought I had it beat with a bit of concentration. My hair might even grow back. But no, mm-hmm. at 10 p.m. after an hour and a half of watching TV and letting the Mac go to screensaver, it did it again with a brand new airport. So there are no parental controls set on the speed touch or the Macs. All right. And then he goes through that he's tried local IP addresses and various other things. So this is an interesting problem. To, to boil it down, it sounds like... This speed touch router supplied by his phone company to manage his DSL connection is a router, a wireless router in and of itself. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's probably not uh, doesn't support the the faster standard that maybe his airport extreme does. And so that's what he wants to use. Mm -hmm. So he did the right thing, sort of. He he let. Well, no, he did the right thing. He's letting the speed stream manage the networking aspects. It's still doing NAT. Uh, which is the thing that shares the IP address with the outside world and DHCP. And he simply dumbed down his airport extreme to be nothing more than a wireless bridge. That's exactly the right thing to do. You always want the first device in the chain uh, to be the thing managing the the network so that you don't have multiple hops happening. And and then things like back to my Mac will never work, even though they don't anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) did I, did I say that? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So, so that's my, that's my theory. Now, he didn't change anything. We're going to assume for the sake of argument that the phone company didn't remotely update the firmware on his speed touch. If they did, that could be causing problems, but I don't think they did because he's not able to even connect to the wireless network. And that has nothing to do with the speed touch. So there's a couple things that I would try first. We can rule that out by temporarily setting the airport extreme back to normal Internet sharing mode. Yes, it'll create a double network. Uh, the airport will be on one and then and then anything connected to it will be on this subset of it. But but at least it will rule out if that's the problem. Assuming that doesn't solve it. And I don't think it will. Uh, 
Another suggestion would be to d- disable, excuse me, disable security on the router temporarily uh, and see if that fixes it. I know that a lot of times WPA security can get screwed up if there are other routers on the same channel in close proximity. And since this happened, quote unquote, out of the blue, I'm without our uh, our beloved reader here. Chain, I said reader. It's been Listener. years since I made that mistake. Okay, stop. Kevin. Kevin hasn't changed anything, but it's possible one of his neighbors did. And it's possible one of his neighbors is running a wireless network on the same channel. So I really think that that's the issue. And WPA is exacerbated by it. Uh, Greg Snyder from Backbeat Media is dealing with the same problem uh, with the the, the apartment in New York that he's he's got there. So I I think that's what it is. And uh, and so changing the channel might help, but it might not. Uh, it depends on how many other networks there are. So, uh, what, what do you think, yeah. John? Um, the only thing I, I think, which I think we touched on, is if you are in bridge mode for whatever reason and things are kind of not working that great, try NAT mode or you know shared, and just see if that fixes it. Should it could. It, it could. Yeah, if it's a problem with the speed stream, then definitely, or a problem with bridge mode in, in some way. Yeah that, yeah, that was my only thought because bridge mode, I, I rarely use that. I typically, on any of my wireless devices, uh, or even wired, you know, well, you know, slash wired, slash wireless, I, they are in a sharing mode. I rarely have things in a bridge mode. Uh, well, I, and I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll turn that around. I actually oh, yeah. have an airport extreme, and I keep it in bridge mode 100% of the time. Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, and I use WPA. I, I have a very similar setup, except I have... Uh, have a have a different uh I, I don't have a speed stream router i've got a linksys router here at the house that manages the connection but yeah the the, the linksys is here in the office and then it's connected to an airport extreme in the house that's in bridge mode and it works fine pilot pete suggests perhaps yeah check check uh robustness wireless interference robustness Interfer- yeah yeah and that should knock off uh microwave interference yep hopefully the neighbors may be set to a manual channel would yeah. be an option for him to do to go to one extreme or the other, one or eleven. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, change it from six to channel one or channel eleven. That that yeah, right. exactly. And yeah, but yeah. It, it's still interference uh, robustness will not overcome a telephone in the same band. I know from personal experience. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> so that's that. Where, where, where are, are we at? on time here? Do we even know? I don't somebody, know. somebody watching the clock. You more better know. You got questions. the clock. Come on. Oh, the clock only the clock only runs after I start recording, and I haven't started yeah. recording yet. No, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, go, go wrong. there's that hang up button. Gotta go. Uh, okay, yeah, we can we can go through Aaron or uh, uh, you know let let's save Aaron for for the next show. That's a next, that's a yeah. big long discussion. Stephen, how about Stephen? What's like he Stephen's thinking, questions. man? Yeah. Uh, so we oh. got yeah we got an email from Stephen that said. Did I hear you correctly when you said in Geek Gab number 163 that the gab isn't going to last much longer? Are you guys planning on canceling the show? It's possible I could have misunderstood. This is the only email like this that we got, John, but but I think it's worth addressing. Because I, <laughs> I think it was due to the audio problem. No, he uh, said 163. Wow. I don't remember saying that. We're, and, and even was if we did subliminal? say it, we didn't mean it. We're well, no, we did. And actually, sorry, <laughs> folks, we're done. This is the last thing you're going to hear from us. Goodbye.
gosh, I feel like I'm the drummer for the alarm. <laughs> Remember that, right? Wasn't it the alarm? The no. guy, the, it was like the last show of, of one tour of theirs, and the guy got on stage and just said, uh, went through this big long really? thing to the crowd and said, this is going to be our last gig together. And the band's all looking at each other like, uh, really? <laughs> we, what are we so going to do? So basically, as Pete said, we got caught. Goodbye. That's right. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Shh, shh, shh. Okay. No. No, we're not leaving. In uh, fact, no, we are not. No, I hope to do it for another at least three years. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so we have a couple of um, iPod slash iPhone things that uh, you folks have written about. And actually one thing. that Oh, you yeah. Went through, Tracy. John. Tracy had a good question. So Tracy does have a good question. Hi, guys. Would you mind letting all of us listeners know what your opinion is as far as insuring an iPhone goes? On my old plan, I could pay a fee to cover phone replacement should the phone be lost or stolen. I called AT&T, and they said the only option for a lost or stolen phone is to buy another one at full price. Do you know what? of any third-party coverage? Wow, what a plan. Yeah, that's a good plan. Okay, so here's the thing. AT&T typically will not cover, and, and it's interesting, the timing of this. When I had my Trio 650, AT&T accidentally let me put insurance on it. And then two years later, two years later, stopped billing me for insurance. Thankfully, Lisa was going through the bill and she caught it and she called them up and she said, how come there's no insurance on this? And they said, oh, we did an audit through the, the thing. And, uh, you know, you can't insure the, the Trio 650. Well, don't you notify people before you, you terminate their insurance agreement? What about all the money that I paid for the insurance? Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I paid five bucks a month. So they sent me my five bucks a month back, uh, clearly. Wow. But yeah, they said, oh, we wouldn't have covered it if, you know, if you had had a claim anyway. <laughs> I said, well, yes, no, I yes, think they would have. <laughs> right. Of course they would have. Uh, but they said, yeah, we don't cover... Uh, we and our carrier, which is uh, they use a company called Asurian, uh, do not cover cover smartphones. That, as of a letter I got today from AT&T, is changing. So actually, I got it from Asurian, but it's on behalf of AT&T because we've got phones for the kids that aren't iPhones. Uh, and one and both of them actually are covered. And the, and the letter said what we're doing is we're changing uh, the, the way the plan works right now. It's a $50 deductible for insurance. You, you lose your phone, your phone's stolen. You call a Shuri and you file a claim. They, they, they ding you 50 bucks and they send you a replacement device. No new contract. None of that. It's just, here you go. 50 bucks and you're done. After nice. November 3rd, 2008, there are two tiers of insurance. You pay the same five bucks or four ninety nine a month for the insurance plan, but cheaper phones like a razor, et cetera, are covered at the $50 rate, more expensive phones, and my Trio six, my Trio six fifty is actually listed uh, as a covered phone now is one hundred twenty five bucks for the deductible. So uh-huh. they found a way, but there's a but there's a, and here's the but uh, there's a very big bold sentence that says Apple's iPhone any model is not covered by insurance. So they've they're making strides here. I used to think that. It was simply Assurian's no smartphones covered policy. And even when the Razor, like when the Razor first came out and it was 400 bucks, they didn't cover that either. It was just a price point cutoff. Mm-hmm. They said anything above this price, you know, we don't cover it. Obviously, the Razor came down and now they do. So it, I used to think it was just their blanket policy. Now, where they're covering anything except one device, you have to think that there's 
something else at play here. And I don't know why. Now, uh, there are some insurance policies. You can add a rider to your homeowners for a personal articles policy that might give you a zero dollar deductible on mm. personal electronics up to like thirty five hundred bucks or something like that. But uh, but, you know, you'd have to check with your homeowners or your renters insurance uh, policy. So do you insure your phone, John? Yeah, like Mark Zaber. No. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird because I said, well, what do you guys cover for house contents? Computer wise, they're like, we'll cover your G5. We'll cover your monitor, LCD monitor. We'll cover your printer. We will not cover your portable computer. Right. So the company I'm with, if, if I'm sure if I gave them money, they would. Uh, but I guess right. I got to understand the portable computers are, you know, prone to theft because they're so <laughs> mobile. Yeah. Um, so every company's different. So, so you know, word of advice, if you, you, know, you got a house or an apartment or whatever, insurance, check your homeowners or, or whatever, you know, liability insurance you have or, or loss and just see what they cover. Because, uh, yeah, I, I imagine with things that are easily, you know, pilfered, <laughs> right? like trios and phones and, and stuff. And, and, you know, I hear, I mean, you probably heard this day, but, you know, like the, in this area, the MTA, the New York City uh, subway and, and train service, they just get thousands of these things per week. I mean, they, they got a, a, a bonanza of <laughs> lost devices and other things. I mean, they found some really bizarre stuff. Um, lost, but phones and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I almost a couple of times. Well, Dave, you know, we'll we'll tell some stories about me losing my phone when I'm with Dave. Dave, you you seem to cause this. <laughs> no matter where I am, I lose my phone. And actually, yes, when I was an enemy, I almost uh, I lost I almost lost my phone in Quarks. But thanks to the Star Trek geeks, I guess uh, I got it back. All right, so you have a tale of woe, though. Well, a tale of near woe. So, you know, so we came back from the show. So it was not disaster. But so we came back from the show and we were at you and I, Dave, were at the wonderful. uh, uh, Thanks to Brian, the uh, Coverville 500 show. Yep. And one of the guys I saw was Richard Cheese. And all I'll say is um, adults only. (laughs) And and no adults with cameras. That's all. And that's all (laughs) we'll say about that. So anyways, he's a he's a artist that converts tunes and other genres to lounge lizard Las Vegas tunes. And it's good stuff. So I'm ripping that CD on my G5, my desktop machine, dual, co- uh, dual processor. I'm sorry, not dual core. Right. And um, so I, I plug in, I still have an iPod 3G, 40 gig, I believe it is. Um, you know, one of the white ones, uh, older, doesn't play movies, nothing, has a monochrome screen. And so I plug it into my computer because I want to say, that is my, so I separate my music on my Laptop, I have podcasts and, and more timely things. On my desktop, I keep all my longer-term things, like my music collection, oh, which okay. is about 27 gigs right now. So that's how I separated. So I plugged in my 3G, um, and I saw an icon I had not seen before. It was kind of a charging icon, but it had the left part of the battery, at least on this model of iPod. The left part of the battery was grayed out, and it showed a lightning bolt. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. So I unplugged it. And then I, because I was just like, oh, well, that's kind of weird. And I brought it to the place where I usually charge my iPod and nothing happened. I'm like, oh boy, what did I do now? And I did nothing. But apparently on the iPod, there is a a specific state that I just learned about called low power comma charging. And on mine, 
it shows a lightning ball through a battery with a grayed out low area on the left. And it, and all I can tell you now, I also had this happen with my Nano. I have one Nano, which I don't plug in too often, but it says, please wait, a very low battery. That's a better hint. So there is a point at which the iPod has enough battery to know that the world is out there, but not enough to talk to the computer or talk to iTunes. So, and and what I found, as you know, <laughs> was that if you plug it in and see that icon and unplug it, it may not respond to you because I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And actually, you know, I was <laughs> chatting with friends and saying, oh, now's the time for me to get my iPod Classic. <laughs> my iPod has died. But waiting a couple hours, I plugged it back in and it came back. So I guess my advice or my observation is if you get this low power comma charging, which uh, we're going to link to, Apple has a great support page showing snapshots from the different iPods, what it looks like. And and the one I have, the 3G, is the least informative because it doesn't show any text saying what the... And that, that that's what threw me. I saw a battery with a lightning bolt. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean... I didn't know that meant the battery is critically low, dude. Don't unplug me. Right. So that's the message. If your iPod is in that state, and you know, credit to them, that they, they recognize the fact. So it, it is so low on battery, it doesn't have enough juice to even tell the computer it exists. But they tell you that. So that was my ter- tale of near woe. I was ready to rip open the iPod because you know I saw some reports about you know bad connections. I, I didn't know what to think. I plugged it in. I saw an icon. I plugged it in again. There was nothing. It, it was really weird. I don't know if you ever run into that, Dave, with bizarre iPod charging or discharging behavior, but I certainly did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's, it happens to Skylar's iPod all the time. She's got w- one of the old iPods that used to just sit on my desk, and, and so we rolled them to the kids, and she actually has a little pillow speaker she got from Radio Shack. And she listens hmm. to her iPod when she goes to sleep at night. Yeah, she takes that for her dad. I did that when I was a kid for years. Except <laughs> it except it wasn't an iPod. It was usually like a tape player. But anyway. <laughs> tape? What's that? Yeah, cassette tapes. So, uh, but, you know, it's not charging there. So she will, you know, she'll use it for, I don't know, four or five nights. And then finally it, it dies. And usually it dies pretty hard because it just plays and she falls asleep and then, you know, if the playlist doesn't end before the battery does, then it's in exactly the state you described. And yeah, we see it all the time. We plug into plug it into the, you know, usually Lisa's laptop is the one that it syncs with. So we plug it in there and, and you'll get that little, that little screen that says, yeah, I'm not quite ready to do anything yet. Just give me time. So mm-hmm. that's how it rolls. Kind of scary, but uh... yeah, it is. It is what it is. And now it is time to wrap things up. Oh, the band. The band. Good, we- good weather for, for hanging out. Oh, I love this weather. It's like it's like we get a little taste of uh, late September Fall. in, in yeah, August yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. 60, I- 70, 50 at night, baby. We got a firewood delivery the other day. and Firewood? Yeah, it's time to Isn't start. Is it summer? Is it summer still? We've found if we don't buy our firewood in the summer, there's none to be had in the fall. So. Dude, you live in the woods. What are you talking about? Well... It, it takes a lot of time to, to buzz up trees and yep. split them. But I was actually doing that today. I actually buzzed up a couple of trees and have some wood to split. Really? Yeah. What, you got a chainsaw or something? Absolutely. Or, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the, the, the question I have in my mind, Dave, how do you reach us? And, and I think one way is calling us, right? It is. Which Two- last I checked, 206-666-GEEK, which is 4335. 
Ah, but, but how else? I, I, I forget. Uh, you can email feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And, uh, and you can also Skype us to MacGeekGab. Is there any way else? I think, I think that's, that's it, it right? right? I think yeah. we did it all. I didn't put it in the notes here, so we got the yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're kind of. You can see the show notes at macgeekgab.com. That'll link you through. Uh, and I'm going to pause the music here because I'm hearing it pop and crackle and hiss and all that uh, stuff, and it's driving me crazy. Why does this still happen? You know, I think Wiretap Anywhere might solve uh, that exact problem because it will. Soundflower is a uh, it injects code uh, an instant hijack inject injects code into the application from what i understand and this is me not the guy that programmed any of this stuff so i could be wrong and from what i understand wiretap anywhere is a kernel extension so it actually lives at the kernel level and gets priority so we're going to try this again but uh there we are uh cashfly provides all the bandwidth that you use to download this show and, of course, provided uh, for, for some of us last week, Stake for Workgroups 3.11, which was a lot of fun. So thanks to Cashfly for all of that. The podcast marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, 20% off until the end of August from Smile on My Mac at smileonmymac.com slash geek. And, of course, Circus Ponies. And there's a video tour of Notebook available uh, at circusponies.com slash video tour and uh MacPeat media podcast network is where you go to sponsor the show they handle all that stuff for us really yeah That's i've it. heard of them yeah uh, yeah they were, uh, they had and a all i gotta say is um yeah. um i need followers I'm, I'm working on a cult here so remember john f braun twitter.com slash john f braun follows and him dave you are uh i'm twitter hamilton right yep twitter.com slash dave hamilton and pete, and pete. you are Pilot Pete. I thought you guys weren't going to mention that again. That's what I thought. And then John yeah, pulls it right you out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, what have I done here? Oh, all right. I got my stuff in, in gear. Yeah, all right. Sorry. It's been a long day. So, bonus show. We, we, we apo- can we apologize? But- we can, but uh, it's possible I may not be around to do a show next Monday night. So, if you don't oh. hear a show next Monday, it's only because uh, we didn't do one. Well, actually, I'm. Yeah, we gotta talk. I'm on vacation a couple of weeks, so. Uh, okay. And, uh, well, you know. Don't get caught. Made up.